We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shannon, Brian, and Vince, what allowed Morrison and Mickey to jump up so quickly on the depth chart to get valuable reps and on the field versus Ohio State over like Riley and Barnes? Or are they just that talented? Yes. I was going to say all of the above. I mean, it, no no disrespect at all, Shannon, but yeah, I mean, look, those guys, I've said this before. The most talented kid in that room, maybe other than Cam Hart, maybe Cam Hart, is Benjamin Morrison. I've been saying this for a long time. Yeah, you have. He is a really talented dude. So, yeah, it's about talent. And I think yeah. the thing that hurt Barnes is he was kind of – because of the injury to a receiver, and he was spent the last couple of weeks kind of cross-training, which is you're not going to beat out Benjamin Morrison if you're cross-training. Right. Sorry. And I think they were looking for something a little different. Like they were looking for a guy that just go out there and lock up man-to-man, and that's Benjamin's game. I don't think that's Ryan Barnes's game as much. Yeah. You know, And so I think that factored into it as well. Now, will it be the same way moving forward? Um, I, I do not know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, I do not know. But I, I mean, after the way Benjamin played this last week, I don't think he's going to be playing less moving forward. Yeah. Right. You no, know? Either. Yeah. He hey, Cam it. Hart, you're a great player. You just got outplayed by a freshman, and yeah. we're trying to win a championship. So, my man, yeah. you got to step up. So, maybe this could be like talking about a fire lit under somebody. This might be a fire lit up under number, number, number five. Yeah, and if that happens, Vince, and he responds well, oh. good luck to the rest oh. of the teams <laughs> be playing against another name. Because I'd love to see a ticked off Cam Hart. Be yeah, with you. I would love to see that. Sid Irish wants Man. to know the top five to wear the number three Ooh. at Notre Dame all time. Boy, that I, is a good one. I cheated, and I okay. saw this question earlier, so I was doing research. Okay, so the first ones are easy. Becoming well, and, and again, all time for me is always only going to be guys that I've seen play. So sure. I don't know what number Paul Horning was or Johnny Latner or uh, Angelo Bertelli or Leon Hart. So I'm just going with guys that I've so, seen play. Yeah. So number three obviously kind of took on a were you know a whole different universe after right. Joe I mean, right? Because he's not on my list because I never saw him play. In, not my in list. My favorite right. player. One right. of my favorite players. But so he's he was on my list. I don't think he was alive. I don't think he was at Notre Dame when I was born. That's no, he the wasn't. only reason. Yeah, yeah no, he wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so, but Joe Montana is number one for me. Michael Floyd is number two. Rick Meyer is number three. Mm-hmm. Avery Davis is number four. Okay, that's interesting. Because Over I, Darius Walker, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question. You're I, just mad he ran out of bounds against USC. That dude rushed for 1,000 yards on back-to-back teams. And I you think, don't like him personally. I don't I, – you, know you know what I don't like? I think he left too early, and it pissed me off. Sure, but I mean, did you, I, would you have wanted to run behind that 2007 offensive line? I sure I, wouldn't. Have. Well, he didn't do much running in the NFL either, so. Yeah, but he would have. Been, but he could still walk. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! Did you see that team? That was the worst offensive line. I don't care. I'm not making my list. Dang it! I like Avery Davis for all the re- off the field reasons. Okay, and I'll be the first one okay. to admit it. Sure, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal young man. He's the ultimate team guy. Yes, he makes my list because of that. So, yes, I will that that I understand. That I understand because you know what I mean. I get that. So, I get that. 
he makes my list. And then I know this one is going to make you laugh and you're probably going to tell me that I'm crazy. And that's totally fair by you. Uh, early on in my career of following Notre Dame, I know where you're going. I, one of the things I had to do is I had to interview old timers. Oh, okay. Interesting. You're not going where I thought you were going to go. And one of my favorite interviews, believe it or not, and I'm going to butcher his last name was Ralph Guglielmi. Okay. Who isn't, he played in that. He played in the fifties. He's a quarterback. Sure. He won a Heisman trophy. Uh, or he was very, very good either way. But he didn't win a Heisman, but yes, he he's one of my favorite. Isn't inter- that who the isn't that who the Goog is named after? I don't think it's okay. Well, maybe that would I'm gonna maybe, find out. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but anyway, he was one of my favorite interviews of all time, and he happened to wear number three, and so I put him as number five on my list. So because I didn't really no, have it, it's not him, it's somebody else, a guy and, named Don. Yes, and it's not the same last name. It's yeah, I didn't way. think it was, last name. That, either way. So, that's my list. It's interesting. It's an yeah, interesting amped, list. Amped enough for you to put your list together. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm like just trying to remember like who the number threes were on past teams, you know. know. But, um, so obviously Rick Myers won for me. I, I, I always felt Rick Myers very underappreciated during his time in Notre Dame because the expectation was that he was supposed to win a championship, and I always kind of felt like he was kind of playing in a system that wasn't necessarily conducive to his mm-hmm. talent level. You know what I mean? So I can't really fault him too much for that, but he's definitely on my list. Michael Floyd is the probably the best number three I've ever seen. Sure. Uh, to be completely honest with you, he was a pretty tremendous player. Uh, I mean, just, wow, he was an incredibly talented, obviously, at Notre Dame, highly productive, big-time recruit, all, yeah. those, all those type of things. Uh, Darius Walker is on my list because the guy was a pretty good player on two really good football teams that, that I enjoyed watching play back to back thousand yard rusher. Uh, yeah. He should have come back for senior year, but I mean, I, under, he made a business decision and I get it right. Uh, he made a, it maybe it wasn't even a business he did a decision. Like I would like to walk, uh, when I am, uh, you know, 20, you know, 30 years old, I'm not going to know if I can guarantee that, uh, playing behind that offensive line. So, uh, another one for me, and, and this might actually kind of start boiling down to more favorites, Vince, than yeah. than anything else, uh, is is Arnes Battle. I was a big Arnes Battle fan, and so uh, that's definitely one for me that that I would go to. And of course, Arnes wore number three because you know a quarterback aspect of it. But those are probably the threes that I would go with uh, right. in my tenure. Avery Davis is a great kid, but I mean, he just wasn't the player that Arnez and Darius Walker and those guys were, in my opinion. Yep. That might have changed if he would have been able to play this year. Yeah, definitely might have been able to change if he would have been able to play this year. But just, I can't quite, I can't quite go there. And I feel like I'm missing someone on D. I feel like there was a defensive player that wore number three, and I just can't remember who it was. But it, it might have been thirteen that I'm thinking of. So, yeah. Uh- we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Doug Ross, Brian and Vince. It doesn't feel like Notre Dame was creative enough with Mayer. Only thing that sticks out is the tunnel screen on the goal line. In what ways would you like to see Notre Dame expand on this? Well, I just think it's a lot of movement, Vince, for me. I want to see him moving around. You know, look, I mean, I want to see. Here's the biggest thing for me. Let him run vertically. Right. For the love of all things holy, right. run him past 10 yards more than once a game. Please, yeah. for the love of God, do that. That's the biggest thing for me because teams are just sitting on him. They're bracketing him because they know he's not going to run vertical. That's what Ohio State did. By right. I mean, they they sat on Michael Mayer. The other yes. thing to do is it's not getting creative with Michael Mayer. It's using your wide receivers. You, you've got to use your wide receivers if you want to get Michael Mayer open. Right. Plain and simple. Because if they're yeah. going to go zero coverage on your wide receivers, then Michael Mayer is going to be double covered all day long. So you have to be able to hit your wide receivers if you want mm-hmm. to get Mayer open. Right. I just have to pull this up real quick. This is really funny. Beef Eater said, uh, my daughter wants to know if it's true that BK's autobiography is going to be in the form of a coloring book or color by numbers look book. Okay, that's really some serious pettiness right there. But we all know that when Brian Kelly writes his autobiography, it's going to be like this thick. Oh. Because he loves him some him. It'll be. There's yeah. no- <laughs> there will be, be no- like a there will be he'll write it all by himself oh no 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 no. he'll have a ghostwriter because it would require him to do work by himself (laughs) Uh, but it's going to be very Uh, it's going to be very very thick and that's uh that's what i'm saying about brian kelly tonight but yes i just thought that was hilarious that's great okay uh jeff madeline says i do think the offense will eventually turn it around this season but if they sputter all year do you think freeman would have the cojones to make a change. Oh, yes. I absolutely. Oh, it's not about cojones. I mean, it's just like you, that's what you got to do. Right. I mean, yes, I don't expect it to happen. Right. But yes, I think he would make a change if that were to happen. Right. Yes. And, and when I say sputter, I mean like you're averaging like 27 points a game and yeah. you're just, you it's know, gonna be really bad. Right. Right. But, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he would. I don't, I just don't, I just don't expect it to happen, Vince. I don't either. Joe Papati. Thank you very much for another super chat. Listening to the Marcus Freeman presser, I read I read between the lines that there were some sideline communication issues to be expected. How do you clean it up? He basically said he didn't flip over from one side to the right. other in a timely fashion, basically. And that's on him. And it is to be expected because he's not used to talking to both sides of the ball. So yeah. I will say that that is expected. And you, you just clean it up by... Being better. I mean, you have to be able to be concise with your words when you're talking to the defense, when the offense is on the field, if you want to know what the offense is up to. I mean, you just, he's got to know what he wants and he's got to be able to get there a little bit faster. It's yeah. Absolutely, you can clean it up, but it takes experience. The first time you put on a headset when you can flip back and forth, you'll get caught up, man. And when mm-hmm. you're the defensive coordinator, getting caught up on the defensive side, I kind of anticipated that if I'm being yeah. honest. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely expected. I just want to follow up with this, Vince. Uh, Jeffrey said, uh, and Jeffrey, you're 100% incorrect here. Oh. Jeffrey could not be more wrong. And when the bio, when the Brian Kelly biography doesn't sell well, he'll blame it on the publisher. Vince, you know who what he's going to blame that on. <laughs> Brian Polian? Nope. You? You're close. You're, you got <laughs> half of it right. But you? <laughs> you blame it on me. <laughs> <laughs> and he might be right. He <laughs> might be right. <laughs> You're not allowed to firebomb books because they carry his book. All right. All right. Quinn says, What uh, would you guys say the stretch of games from Marshall to BYU is a natural stepping stone of getting an opponent that is better each week? Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. I think that's a good one, Vince. I, so I think Cal is going to be a little bit better than Marshall. I think that North Carolina is going to be a little bit more dangerous than Cal. I don't know, better maybe, but dangerous for sure. More dangerous offensively. Because they can score. I'm always more worried about the team that can score. Absolutely. Notre Dame could score 10 points on Cal, just like they did Ohio State, and still win. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Right. I mean, if we're being honest. And then BYU is – yeah, I think so. And then, you know, we'll see what Stanford is by then too. That's the other interesting thing that comes next week. So, yeah. Quinn, that's a really good observation. And then you challenge yourself more and more and more each week as you get to that next opponent, which is right, uh, which is good, which is good. John Wayne's Winchester with Jarrett Patterson out. Who's the leader of the offensive line on the field? Not necessarily who's making calls, but who is that leader in the huddle to get them going? I would, I mean, I want to say Josh Lug because he's been there the longest. It needs to be Zeke. 
it needs to be. Oh, it's just making calls and yeah. all that. Absolutely. We're just talking in the. I mean, look, it's like what Liam Eikenberg and Robert Hainsey both said when Jarrett Patterson was uh, starting in 2018. And they're like, look, the leader of the offensive line on the field is Jarrett. He's the yeah. center. Right. So, He's you know. Easy. Yeah. Right. Oh, I like it. Right. No doubt. Uh, Salty Virginia Peanuts. Why isn't Xavier Watts on the Marshall depth chart, either offense or defense? Same question for Merriweather. But as Stephen F. asked, ha, or has asked it already, and he super chatted. I just don't read too much in the depth charts, guys. I really don't. I mean, ever was Benjamin him. Morrison on the depth chart last week against Ohio State? I don't remember if he was. I'm going to look it up real quick. I don't remember, but I don't. I don't think that he was. I don't. I don't remember. I, I, again, I could be wrong. I'm going to pull it up here real quick. Uh, I'm going to try to find the. Uh, the depth chart for the Ohio State game from last week, but I I don't think he was on that. But, right here, yeah. But again, I just I don't put a lot of stock into depth charts. He was third string behind Clarence, okay. Lewis and okay. they had Clarence Lewis or Cam Hart. Okay, so um, so him and Mickey were both third string on here, right? So I just I I just don't put a lot of stock into that. To be honest with you, um, yeah. I mean, I just don't. Yeah, I mean, look, it was he he wasn't on the depth chart last week, and he played defense. Right. So, yeah, right. Gabriel Rubio wasn't the two deep last week, and he didn't play. Yeah, right. So, right. Yeah, Deion Colsey was on the depth chart last week in the two deep, and he didn't play. So, I I just I wouldn't put a lot into depth charts. I just I wouldn't. Yeah. Yep. I care more about who plays on Saturday, and Xavier, you know, needs he to look. I I still say, look, man, put him on flipping offense. Let the kid play. He yeah. needs to play. I absolutely. Yep. I was disappointed about that. Anyway, TJ Fallon, if the D-line plays the way they are supposed to and the DBs keep playing great, does Notre Dame have a top five defense in college football? Boy, yes. If the defensive backs play the way that they did on Saturday and just clean up a couple little things and the D-line plays the way it's supposed to, yeah, this is going to be one of the five to eight best defenses in college football, sure. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, Clemson will be there. Uh, I think Bama's got a chance. I mean, yeah, they, they, they got a shot to be there. And, and I'll tell you what, Ohio State's defense, I don't know if they got a chance to be that good, but if they keep playing like they did on Saturday, they're going to they're gonna have a big jump statistically this year. But I wonder if part of it's just how Notre Dame played, to be honest with you, Vince. I'm still very curious about that. Yeah. Milton Fan 15, Vincent Bryan, are you surprised that there were not any running back wide receiver screens against Ohio State? Do you suspect that they will plan to incorporate them moving forward? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the screen game. I think part of the reason Ohio State's not necessarily the team that you can screen the best because they are, they can run, you know, and, and that's a good thing that they do is they can run pretty well, but you got to be able to dial up a couple things like that for sure. Uh, so I would have, I would have done that. Even if it's like the, you know, fake those jets and reverses, then to kind of have a throwback screen to a back the other way or something. Yep. Yeah, I thought so. Just to mess with your dis your eye discipline and stuff like that. And maybe you catch them on a on a fire or a blitz or something. And oh, how's they ears back? I mean, they were yeah. coming after it. So yeah, I think yeah. a screen here and there was some kind of like inside screen where Ohio State, you know, Ohio State's bringing their inside backers and you throw like a little tunnel behind them, something like that. I, I'd have gone for that. Now, keep in mind, too, they did run some – so, like, the play to Chris Tyree where he catches a little slide route and Michael Mayer, those are screens because they're blocking downfield on those plays. So, those are also screens. They just didn't get them in the – they didn't run traditional screens in the game. WJS, is it better for Patterson to sit one more game and find out what we have at guard? If he sits, it has nothing to do with finding out what you have It's because he's still injured. I mean, I that's not why I'm making a decision as to whether Jared Patterson plays or not. If he's ready to play, he's going to play. If he's not ready to play, he's not going to play. Like, I just – he'll be ready to play. I think he'll be ready to play this week, Vince. I'm going to somewhat take a different stance on that because, to me, against Marshall, uh, I he, there's no way he's going to be – he's going to go from not being able to play in the biggest game of the year to fully healthy a week later. It's, it's not – no, it's not going to happen. I honestly personally would give him another week and because I need to learn a little something about those other linemen. Right. And don't rely on Jarrett be there to save you because we can't guarantee Jarrett's going to be there in a month. I mean, there's Jarrett's just he's had some trouble staying healthy during his career at times. So uh, I would rest him again, because if the more I can do to get Jarrett Patterson back to full health, the better. Sure. I don't want Jarrett nursing an injury all year. 
I want to get him as close to being as full go as I can. If that means sitting him for another game, then I'm sitting him for another game. If you can't beat Marshall without Jarrett Patterson, Cal without Jarrett Patterson, you know, so like the Cal game will give him a chance to kind of get back up to speed before Carolina. Then you got to buy and then it's BYU. So just me, I, I understand where you're coming from, Vince. I get it, but I just, I want that kid healthy. That's the I big think thing for me. He's a hundred percent. He plays. Yeah. If he's not, he doesn't. Well, but that's right. hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. If he's a hundred percent. Right. I'm not making that decision saying, hey, you know what, Jared, you're, I know you're hundred percent. No, but that's not what I'm saying is like, I don't right. think it's possible that he's going to go from that's not fair. playing against totally get Ohio that. state to hundred percent. That's my right. point. No, He'll totally. be healthy enough to play. Right. But I don't want him to be healthy enough to play. Sure. I want to try to get him fully healthy and then let him play uh, because right. you're going to need – look, here's the reality. You're going to need Jarrett Patterson in October, November, and in the postseason. No doubt about and it. I'm not risking him against – and honestly, Oregon's Cal, to be honest with you. You know, like if they want to sit him for the next two games, if he's not 100%, okay, cool. I want Jarrett Patterson to be healthy. That's the big thing. Not just healthy enough. I want him right. to be healthy. Right. And that's where I want to be. If he's 100%, I'm not – to answer the question, though, if he's 100%, I'm not sitting him to see what else oh, I've got. A thousand percent agree with you. Right. Yes. Right. I'm just saying the nature of his injury, he's not going to be 100% at least perfect. for a couple weeks. Yeah, which makes perfect. Honestly, if he's not 100% by North Carolina, I'm not playing him. Now, when I say 100%, like if he's 95 and there's really no risk right. for further injury, then fine. You play. You get the point that I'm making, right? Yeah. But I don't want him to have to grit yeah. through performances. Right. If you can't beat the next three teams on your schedule without Jared Patterson, you got way bigger problems than not having Jared Patterson, right. in my opinion. Like flipping Appalachian State just hung 61 up on North Carolina. Right. Okay. Like if you can't score on them without Jared Patterson, you got way bigger problems. Uh, Jared absolutely. Absolutely. Bill Walsh wants to know Will the Notre Dame running backs combine for 250 plus all purpose yards? That's a lot of yards just coming know. running back. I hope so. Well, all purpose yards also well, include kick returns, right? Returns. Well, then the kick return <laughs> game was pretty crappy last time we saw him out. Good call. Good call. Um, honestly, I hope the answer is no, unless they're just shredding them. Because I want to see them. It's like what we talked about in the show today, Vince. I don't want to see them just bully Marshall for four quarters. That doesn't show me anything. It just tells right. me you have better players than Marshall. Shocker. Right. You know, I'd like to see them throw the ball right out the perimeter. Some. Yep. So. Yep. Nick Lane, who do you see in Tyler Buckner as a comparison? I mean, I, I've been asked this a bunch, Nick, and I don't really have a good comparison. The best one that I've been able to – I mean, people have said Johnny Menzel. I, I get it to a degree. I, I've, I've always kind of found Kyler Murray the closest comparison, although Tyler's not as good as Kyler Murray was. But I think that's the closest comparison to me in that I think Tyler can be a pocket passer, but he can also be a dynamic runner. Uh, he's not a dual threat per se. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be a dual threat per se. That's probably the closest that I can come up with. Just stylistically, again, I'm not saying he's going to be the number one draft pick. I'm just saying stylistically, I think that's a more fair comparison than Johnny Manziel. It's the closest one I can come up with. Because in that offense, Tyler Buckner could have run for 1,000 yards in Oklahoma, the way that they run their offense. There's no doubt about it. But I also think he can sit in the pocket and pick teams apart. So, yeah. Yep, that's where I'm at, Vince. Let's get to the next one. Yep, timeout Tom says, even if Notre Dame is way ahead of Notre Dame at halftime – even if Notre, okay, even if Notre Dame is way ahead on Saturday at halftime, do you think Buckner and the starters should play through three quarters? Depends on how far away ahead they are, and how they're playing. If they're playing like mistake free, I mean, okay, yeah. So many variables to me. My, I lean towards yes. I do want to see them play, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't. It, I would start to mix in some guys. Right. Like I would I would mix in the first team with Merriweather and Raritan or Merriweather and Stace or Xavier Watts is one of my you know what I mean? Like I'd get Dion Cole. So I'd start to even at the beginning of third quarter, I start mixing in some of the younger guys who didn't play a ton. Like, hey, I really want to get first thing I would take if Jarrett Patterson plays Saturday and they're up 20, 31 to seven at halftime, you're done. You know, like you're out, you're done. There might be a couple guys like that. I may take Josh Lug out and let me see Rocco and whoever else. Um, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of where I would. Oh, no, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I um, I would I would 
I would play him. I'd play him into the third, Vince, like you had said, into the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just if they're like clicking and Tyler's like fifteen of seventeen for two hundred eighty yards, no, I don't need to see him much more more deep in the third quarter. But if they're just bullying Marshall, but they're still not really clicking, then I would want to see a little bit more. So, yep. Zach Martin, I know Notre Dame on some level just needs to get Tobias on the field, but given the current depth chart, where do you think he best fits? X, Y, X. <laughs> Apparently we get to choose X twice. Yeah. And still have the most success. I, I think ultimately he's an X, but I think he could be equally good at both positions. I, I think he's a field guy is where I like him most, but I think the way that Notre Dame runs their offense, I could see him being really good in the boundary. You know, I think he can play both. But I'm a believer, Vince, as you know. I don't like, I don't like just leaving guys in one spot for the most part. Yeah, I want want to move guys around. And there may be some weeks where I mix it up. I just want to field. Is that too much to ask at this point? I just want to see him on the field. I put him in the slot. Put him at tight end. I don't care. Get him on the field and throw him the ball. Agree. (laughs) Agree. Ladarius, Brian, and Vince. Y'all see Vandy being three and zero this weekend against Wake Forest? I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I no. think Wake Forest is better if, than... if Sam Hartman is back to being yeah Sam Hartman yeah. Uh, which Vince, you and I will have an interesting conversation about what they announced his issue was. Yeah, we're gonna have a talk about that. Okay, uh, you and I, okay. but uh, not gonna have it here because it's gonna cause some people's heads to explode. <laughs> so no, I don't, Ladarius. I, I don't. I think Wake will win that one. DMND if, if Hartman plays. Yes, absolutely. DMND thirteen. Brian, who's your favorite IB member to do a show with, and why is it definitely Vince for mailbag shows? <laughs> sure. <laughs> on uh, on Wednesday nights at seven six o'clock, he's my favorite guy to do them with. Um, I like doing shows with all the guys. I love yeah. doing shows with Sean Davis. I love doing shows with Ryan. I have not done a full show with Sean Styers yet. Only yep. segments. So that's that'll cool. hopefully be able to do that once. But no, I mean, Vince is the OG though, right? It, that's mean, right. And it's know? a different energy with every guy. That's what right. makes IB so much fun. Like I've done full shows I, with everybody. And it's I'll just, say this. Great. I probably enjoy doing shows more with Vince because we've known each other so long and we have fun. Yeah. Uh, but I think the show is, well, I'll just say this. I think the show is better when Vince is on with Sean Styers. I think they have an even better connection because they're coming from two different points of view as opposed to me and Vince who are pretty much always on the same page and come and look at it from the same background and uh so I think that's probably I think Vince's the show is better with Vince and Sean um uh, you know even though Vince is the OG and and I and I enjoy doing shows with him more than than anyone and I, I and I do love doing shows with Sean Sty Sean Davis and oh yeah and that's a lot of fun but they're all different and that's yeah, what makes exactly. it fun it's fun it makes it fun around yeah DMND 13 is Michigan going to cover their 51 point spread. And what will the spread be against? You can't next week. Well, first of all, uh, we don't even know what quarterback is going to play next week because right, right? they have a right. name harder. Not that it matters against UConn. I mean, they're so terrible. 50. Do, will they cover 51? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't. That's, that's tough. That's asking. A I don't lot. even know who they're playing and I'll take Hawaii. 51. Hawaii. Yeah. yeah it's they're playing Hawaii. Who's. <laughs> Really terrible. Hawaii lost 63-10 to 10 in the opener against Vanderbilt. They lost 49-17 to Western Kentucky. So, yeah, they're they're not very good. They might cover. They yeah. might cover. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Tyler Evans, what did you think of LSU B Florida State game? I'm guessing that was probably versus the Florida yeah. State game. I enjoyed it. Um, I, uh, it's what I expected a Brian Kelly team to look like in a big game, yep. right? talented, cl- good enough to be in it and that per- against that kind of team, right. But couldn't coach their way out of a wet paper bag. And then when he finally takes the handcuffs off Mike Denbrock, lo and behold, you know, Mike Denbrock has that offense looking like 2015 Notre Dame, you know, and, uh, just, it was poetic. I'll just say that it was, poetic. Yeah, it was, it was something. All right. Yeah. I, I can guarantee you, you know, I actually, I felt bad. For the the freshman tight end that Kelly yeah. said is the best freshman tight end he's ever had, he's sure. ever coached. It's, that's a lot to put on a kid when Michael Mayer is probably going to win the Mackey Award, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's the one that didn't block down on the extra point. Yeah, like, that's middle school stuff, man. And I don't blame the kid; I blame the coaching. Right, that is the first coaching point you make on a right. PAT is you always block down, 
always, always, always. That's why in high school they interlock their legs. So they guarantee that they're going to block down. And that didn't happen. And they lost the game because mm-hmm. of it. It's so bad. Yep. Okay. I'm off. Yep. I, uh, I'll say this. I, that uh, was a big win for Florida State. Was. They needed a statement win over a name opponent to kind of get that program some momentum and some juju back. Yeah. Now, now the key for Florida State is building on it. They got to build on it. That's going to be a key for them. It's going to yeah. be a big, big key for I them moving agree. forward. Ladarius, our buddy from Alabama. Y'all sure Tyler Buckner better than Drew Pine? And do y'all think if Pine started last Saturday, would it have been a different outcome, Vincent Bryan? Yes, and yes, I don't think it would have been as close. The outcome so, as in they would have lost, yes. Yes. Right. And then, yes, I do think Tyler Buckner is better than Drew Pine. Yes. Uh, the outcome would have been different. It would not have been as close of a game, in my opinion. Yeah. That's not a knock on Drew Pine. It's just Tyler was able to do some things, even right. the only did. I mean, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, this was not a Tyler Buckner problem. Right. Zach Welker, hope you're doing well. Curious what's up with the freshman linebackers in Jalen and Nolan. Didn't see them on the depth chart. And was wondering if that's because they are redshirted. Can we see them this week? Well, nobody's redshirted after one game unless they're injured. Right. So, I mean, that's that's not really a, a thing. I mean, number one, Nolan Ziegler had a really bad illness in camp where he had to miss some days and lost a little bit of weight. So uh, I, I, I that probably had a big reason why he didn't yeah. play. Uh, I don't know if Jalen Sneed played special teams or not. I, I honestly couldn't tell you. So, but one game into your freshman year is a little too early to be looking at that. <laughs> right. So I, I, I really couldn't tell you. I honestly right. couldn't tell you um, kind of who did what or how many they did this or that. I, I really, I couldn't tell you. I just know I expect to see both of them at some point in time soon on special yeah. teams. At least they, they better. But um, yeah. What's up with them? Nothing. They're freshmen and Nolan yeah. this time. And Jalen's still adapting. We talked about that last week. Yeah. Irish Chi-Town, Brian, what record would Notre Dame finish with if you remove the starters from the roster? Not very good. I mean, you know, you're still your starters, and you would lose 22 players of depth. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, are look. You, they, are you replacing them with, like, young guys? Or, like, what are you what are you replacing? Probably, a, probably still a bowl team. I mean, there's yeah. probably still a bowl team. I'd say, like, eight and four, seven six, and five. I'd say probably, like, six and six because you'd have no depth. I mean, if you took the starting receivers yeah, away, you have no depth. The depth is the issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, your offensive line is going to be talented, but it's a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. So uh, probably still a bowl team, you know, because you'd have a good trigger man and Drew, but you still have good running backs, good yeah. tight ends. Probably six and six. Saturdays are for doing laundry. Hey, guys, if we had Trevor Lawrence playing for us against Ohio State and the calls remain the same, do we win? What goes differently? Yeah, they win because – Trevor is an experienced quarterback who would have hit some of those yeah. throws. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback. Absolutely. And he would have hit a couple of those deep balls, like the one that Lorenzo Stiles, he probably hits. But you So know, you're talking 2022 Trevor Lawrence? Any version of Trevor Lawrence for me. Right. I mean, I mean, look at what he did against Notre Dame in the, that bowl game. I mean, it was a similar situation. You know, you've only got three or four opportunities to make big plays, and, you, and he made them, right? I mean, he, I, but he was a generational player. Like, the biggest I, thing is they're up 10-7. And early the first drive of the second half, they run that wide fade Lorenzo Styles. Just Trevor Lawrence's history in college, he would have hit that throw and Lorenzo Lorenzo smoked that dude. If it's an accurate throw and Lorenzo needs to play through that ball, I mean, I, I said before, he didn't play it well. But if the ball's put on him, he catches it and walks, runs into the end zone. It's 17-7. Trevor hits that throw. That's not a knock on Tyler Buckner. Trevor Lawrence was the number one pick and probably the best high school quarterback pro- prospect I've seen in decades. So it's kind of an unfair, I mean, it's an unfair question. It's like, well, how good would, you know, this team have been, you know, how good would this Broncos team who had, who had Case Keenum, a quarterback Ben, if they had John Elway in his prime, well, they'd have been better. It was freaking John Elway. You know what I mean? Like it's an unfair expectation, but yeah, I mean, that's, but that's also to the question about what's been missing at Notre Dame. They are missing that great quarterback. I just think Tyler Buckner can be that guy. Go back and look how Trevor Lawrence looked in his first start. Now he was a freshman. I get that. Played a lot more high school football than Tyler. He looked pretty mediocre against Syracuse before they knocked him out of the game. Yeah. Right? I mean, it took Trevor some time to become that version of Trevor. And that's the other thing. The only, the only pushback I would have, because you used Notre, the Notre Dame game as an example, it was a whole season of starting. Sure. You know, and this was this was his first start. 
right? Again, it's an unfair comparison at, at this point. Obviously, it's an unfair. It's going to be an unfair comparison at any point. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely- I mean, you're talking about the a, a number one overall player in the country coming out, a generational quarterback. Yeah, it's unfair to expect him to be Trevor Lawrence. You know right. who else is not going to be Trevor Lawrence in college football this year? Every quarterback in the country. Right. Every one. Right. Ohio State didn't have Trevor Lawrence a quarterback, with all due respect to C.J. Stroud. CJ is closer to it now than 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 Tyler is, but CJ is also a year ahead of Tyler. Got a year under his belt. Yeah, exactly. So, I and unlike and unlike CJ Stroud, you know Tyler didn't get a play against who did they start their season off against last year? Ohio State, uh, Minnesota, right? Well, if you need to play a team like Minnesota, things look a little bit differently for Tyler Buckner. Mr. 2.0, where is the balance of Marcus Freeman dictating what he wants to see on offense and Tommy Reese running the show? Was Freeman's influence on the offense against Ohio State in reaction to Reese's bowl game? No, not at all. It was. A, I'll say it again. Some of y'all are reading way too much into this. Way too much into this. Uh, it was a reaction to playing Ohio State and the thought of whether or not the team can beat Ohio State as constructed. Can they? It was about playing an offense that scores a ton of points. It was about playing an offense that had elite talent around it. And it was about not feeling like you can get into a shootout with that team, which I completely agree. Now, getting into a shootout and 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 calling what they did is a different deal. But I will I'll also say again, and this is what I learned when we were doing kind of the upon further review uh from that game, to be honest with you, is there were still chances in the second half to to put them down. Uh, even more would it have put him away I don't know about that I think you needed two scores but again if he hits that wide fade go route to Lorenzo Styles, it's probably 17 to 7 so it's it's not just play calling uh, I didn't love the game plan it's it's also execution you know there's another play where, where Braden Lindsay just runs by a dude I mean just runs straight by a dude and it doesn't hit because why because the quarterback just missed. I mean, the, he, I mean, the, the offensive line just whiffed and, and he, you know, he got hit before he could kind of get to the top of his drop and make that throw. So, you know, again, I just, I, I understand where people are coming from. It's just the thing for me is it's not as simple as just sometimes we, we can make the game a little too complex and sometimes we, we make the game way too simple. And it's not as simple as just saying, oh, the play calling was bad. There were still opportunities to go out and win that game. And Freeman dictating whatever he did or didn't dictate to Tom Reese was about Ohio State. I mean, now we can argue, is it right? Is it wrong? Was it the right advice, wrong advice, whatever the case may be? I I don't know. But all I know is it was about Ohio State. That's all I can can tell you. You know, that's, that's all I can tell you. Tommy Gunn says, guys, I'm sure you watched the Clemson game the other night. If DJU plays the same for the rest of the games as he did in the first game, would you expect him to start against Notre Dame? I said this, Tommy, I said this on yesterday's show. No, Monday's show when I when I uh, kind of took over with the show that Sean and Ryan were doing. Uh, or no, actually, was it was it yesterday's show we were talking about it? But anyway, we were talking about it. It was me and Ryan talking yesterday. I'll be shocked if DJ play is starting quarterback against Notre Dame. Because he's the, he he showed himself to me to be the same guy he was last year. I didn't see any improvement. One game, so he can always get better, and I'm sure they'll give him chances to get better. Uh, Dabo's a pretty loyal guy. I mean, if if Trevor Lawrence couldn't replace or didn't replace Kelly Bryant to like game three or four, then you know it's going to take Cade Klubnik a little bit more time. Even though you know Kelly obviously had more success as a you know, win loss record than than DJ did last year, but he'll he'll give him more chances. There's no doubt. Irish Town, if they ask if Brian, if they expand the playoff to 12 or 16, is there still a need to have a COD football playoff committee? Absolutely, because who's going to pick the 12 to 16? Uh, you still need someone to determine who is the 12 that's in, because there's only six automatics. You need somebody to determine those, and you also need a committee to determine what the seeds are. You know, so like who's the one, two, three, and four? Who's the six through 12? You know, who who are the six at-large teams? Those are all very important decisions that need to get made that I do not want being made by a computer or uh, being made by sports writers or anything like that. I I'm comfortable with the committee being what the committee is. I just want to make sure that they always have good people on the committee. I think that's going to be, 
that's going to be the big thing to me. So, um, you know, we'll see if it plays out that way, but I would imagine that they're still going to have a committee and they need a committee to be honest with you. DM Indy 13 are the locals commits uh, are the local commits expected to be at most home games guys like Drake, CJ and cam also is Justin Scott supposed to be on campus. I don't know when Justin Scott's going to be on campus. I know he's supposed to be on campus. I believe Sean had said he was going to be on campus sometime in September, but uh, I don't know when that is going to be, to be completely honest with you. Uh, so we'll have to, we'll have to find that out, but he will be on campus soon, but I would imagine the the local commits will be on campus more often than not, uh, to be honest with you. So yes, I, I do think that we will see that. I do think we'll see that. All right, here we go. Some more questions. Florida Irish by herself, Freeman and company played the long game versus Ohio state, meaning they chose to keep it close and avoid knocking themselves out of college football playoff, kick the can to November and peak against Clemson, USC, et cetera. I don't think that's the case at all. I don't, I, I don't think you cannot convince me. The only I'll say this: the only way you'd be able to convince me that Marcus Freeman and, and and his staff went into this game saying, "Hey, look, let's just keep it close. We don't want to get blown out. Uh, we're not worried about winning because if we handle our business the rest of the year, we're still in. No big deal. Uh, we just got no. I just I have a hard time believing that. I do. I have a really hard time believing that that's the case. And so, no, I can't go there with you. I, I just, I really can't go there with you. I can't. I, I'd have to hear it come from his mouth, but I don't think that's the case. So I'm selling that. I'm definitely selling that. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladarius Martin asked Brian and Vince, who are y'all's top five Notre Dame teams of all time and who was the quarterback starting for those teams? Again, I'll repeat again that for me, it's uh, all time is only games that, like teams that are that I was alive to be able to kind of talk about. And honestly, there's going to be a key theme to a lot of these, and a lot of these teams are going to be uh, teams that were coached by Lou Holtz. To be completely honest with you, so um, you know, I'm going to have to. I'm there's. I'm trying to remember which year it was that I'm looking for here, but uh, most of the top teams that I've seen under Lou Holtz or under Notre Dame were Lou Holtz teams. Uh, so I'm going to go 1988, obviously, uh, is the one at the top because that Notre Dame team won a championship. And at the end of the day, no matter how more talented somebody may or may not be, it's still about winning championships, right? And so um, – that team in 88 won a championship. That team also beat four top five teams that year. They beat number one, Miami. They beat a Michigan team. So the top five teams at the end of the year, they beat three top five teams, excuse me. The top five teams at the end of the year in 2000 and, or 1988 were Notre Dame, Miami, Michigan, West Virginia, and I think Florida State. And Notre Dame beat three of them. They beat Miami. They beat Michigan. They beat uh, West Virginia. They also beat Michigan. Who or no? They they yeah. Michigan, Miami, West Virginia. They also beat. I'm trying to remember who the fourth team was. They beat that year that finished in the oh USC finished in the top ten. They were number two when they played, but you they beat USC, which knocked them back. And then I think USC lost in the Rose Bowl. I think that they lost to Michigan that year, uh, but I'm gonna have to go back and look at that one. I'm not quite sure. Give me one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna go look at that real quick. I think USC USC was number two when they played Notre Dame. And then they lost, yes, they lost to Michigan 14 to 22, which knocked USC down to number seven in the AP poll at the end. So that year, Notre Dame beat, let me just pull it up real quick. That year, Notre Dame beat uh, Michigan, who finished the year ranked fourth. They beat Miami, who finished the year ranked second. They beat USC, who finished the year ranked seventh. And they beat West Virginia, who finished the year ranked fifth. So that was a, a great team. And even more impressive was next year's team, which is probably the second best team that I've ever seen at Notre Dame, was the 1989 team, which I actually think was more talented than the 1988 team and more dynamic. But uh, they've had to play Miami at Miami. 
lost that game. That team beat Michigan uh, that year at Michigan in 1989. That was the year that Rocket returned two kicks back for touchdowns. Uh, Michigan finished that year ranked seventh in the AP poll. Uh, Notre Dame beat an Air Force team that year that was ranked 17th when they played and finished 8-4. Uh, they beat number nine USC that year, who finished the year ranked eighth. Uh, they beat Pittsburgh that year, who at the time was ranked number seven and finished 17th. Uh, they beat Penn State that year, uh, 34-23 at Penn State. Uh, that Penn State team finished 15th. They won by 11. Miami won the national championship. And then in the, the Orange Bowl, they played Colorado, who finished here fourth but was ranked number one at the time. Uh, they beat that Colorado team 21-6. to So that, uh, that was probably my second-best team. Third-best team I've seen was the 93 team. That was a team that was less talented than several teams before it, just top to bottom. But that was a, a great, I mean, just a great leadership on that team. Uh, you know, the schedule wasn't as challenging. The Notre Dame defense was not as good that year. They played well against Florida State, but they had some rough games that year. Gave up 23 and a win over Michigan, but that was a really good Michigan team. Uh, actually, wait a minute. Am I correct on that? I might be thinking of a different year, but there was one year they beat Michigan who was ranked real high. And yeah, that was, yeah, I'm, I'm right. That Michigan team ended up not being real good that year. They went eight and four, but they're still top 25. Uh, beat BYU that year, beat number one Florida State, who went on to win the national championship, and then beat number seven Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl. So that was a really good Notre Dame team, but uh, not as talented as others, but that was probably the third best team. Number four, you know, I'm probably going with the 1991 team or the 1992 team at Notre Dame. That 1992 team was really talented. They had a tie early in the year against Michigan, uh, 17-17. Michigan finished that year undefeated. Michigan went 9-0-3 that year. They tied Illinois and they tied Ohio State at the shoe. And uh, Notre Dame went 10-1-1 uh, that year. Lost a crazy home game to Stanford that year. It was the weirdest, weirdest loss. That was a Bill Walsh coach te Stanford team that finished ninth in the country and they beat Notre Dame pretty convincingly. Should not have lost that game. But then after that, they, they rallied and, and were really good over the next rest of the season. Uh, really dominated some teams. They beat BC, who at the time was ranked 9, 54 to 7. The next week was the Snow Bowl against Penn State. Uh, beat a really good Penn State team, or a talented Penn State team. Uh, beat USC that year, beat BC that year, uh, beat USC on the road. And then, of course, beat number four, Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl. That was probably the next team. And the number five gets a little bit interesting because – you know, there's there's the 05 Notre Dame team, which is probably where I would go, but that defense had major holes. I'd want to go 2018 was really good, but again, that team had holes on offense. You know, boy, I tell you what, there I'd probably have to go 05 um, is where I'd have to go. Now, quarterbacks, the 88-89 team was both Tony Rice. Uh, 91 or the 92 team was Rick Meyer. The 93 team was Kevin McDougal, and the 05 team was Brady Quinn. So uh, those are those are the ones that I would probably go with. But Ladarius, if you're trying to learn about Notre Dame, go watch games in the, from the Lou Holtz era. Uh, they had a couple big wins over Alabama. They beat Alabama in '87, I think is when it was. They beat Alabama, who at the time was a top ten team in 1987. It was the year that Tim Brown won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, they played Alabama at home. Uh, it was a 37 to six Notre Dame win, and then they played the year before. And I think Bama beat them the year before. They played at Bama when Bama was number two. Uh, they won 20 to 10. So Notre Dame's had some really good battles. A colleague of mine who I used to work with who's since passed away, Lou Samoji, his favorite all-time game from Notre Dame was, I think it was 1973, uh, when Notre Dame and, and Alabama played. I believe it was, it was either – I think it was a Sugar Bowl, if I remember correctly. I'm just going to pull it up here real quick, so you have to just bear with me a second. Going to 73, I think it was the 73 game – uh, yes, they played in the Sugar Bowl. This is when it was played in Tulane Stadium. Uh, it secured a national championship for Notre Dame, uh, or at least the AP national championship for Notre Dame. And going into that game, Notre Dame was ranked third. Alabama was ranked number one. And Alabama, uh, Notre Dame won that game to finish the year undefeated. Uh, they also beat number six USC that year, uh, beat Pitt on the road that year, who's a, a pretty good football team. Um, at the time, they were pretty, a Johnny Majors coach team. So, uh, those are those are some teams that I look at, Sarah. My my who I think are the best Notre Dame team. So Alabama and Notre Dame have a very interesting history. So you'll want to you'll want to you'll want to check those out. But yeah, watch if you want to learn about Notre Dame, watch the the I mean just from our lifetime, the Lou Holtz was the last time Notre Dame was truly 
truly a great, great program. I mean, just genuinely like just tremendous program. Joe Papiti says, as a follow-up, does Freeman's lack of O knowledge concern you, a.k.a. does Reese have too much power and freedom? I, I, I don't agree with the premise at all. I don't think he has a lack of O knowledge. I don't. Uh, you're not the first person that said that, and I don't understand that. You can't be a Division One successful defensive coordinator if you don't know offenses really well. I mean, that's the whole point of running a defense is running a defense in a way that stops an offense. If you don't understand what offenses do and what they're trying to do and how they're going to counter your moves, you can't be a good coordinator. I mean, a, a good coordinator has to study the other team. We talked about this in the earlier show with Ryan and I. And when I was breaking down opponents, I wasn't studying other teams' offenses. I was studying their defense. What are their coverage structure? What are the things they're trying to do defensively? You know, what are their third down tendencies? How do they bring pressures? What's the technique they use up front? Uh, what are the techniques that they use in the secondary? What are I had to know them as well as I knew my offense. Otherwise, I wouldn't know how to attack it. And and same thing with Marcus Freeman. So I don't agree with the premise that he has a lack of offensive knowledge. I don't understand it. That premise. And so uh, I, I, I don't understand where it comes from. So I, I really, it's hard for me to push back on it because I just don't understand where it's coming from. So if you want to elaborate a little bit, Joe, I'd love to hear that. But a coordinator has to know the other side of the ball as well as he knows his side of the ball. And so you, you may not know the technique, like, okay, here's how I would teach a post curl route. You may not know that, but you know scheme. You know what offensive lines try to do. You know what you know what running backs try to do. You know what run game is. You know how zone works. You know how counter works, power works. Because if you don't know those things, you can't stop it. You can't stop something you're not aware. You don't if you don't know how it works. And and so he he doesn't have that. So and and the whole point that we're arguing about is that that Tommy Free uh, Reese wasn't given enough authority against Ohio State is a bigger issue. So that would be my thing. So. Um, Ladarius says, uh, who won the 1973 Natty or did Alabama share with another team? So this is one of those ones that Alabama claims is a, I believe is a national champion uh, because the coaches poll Ladarius back then would give the championships out before the bowls. So Alabama was crowned the national champ that year because they were ranked number one of the coaches poll before the bowl games. And then Notre Dame went and beat them in the bowl game. And then that Notre Dame got the number one title. So that's the interesting thing about Bama is, is they claim some championships in some really weird ways. Um, like Notre Dame claims 11, 11 championships, I believe, right? If Notre Dame claimed as many championships as Alabama, they would have, they'd be in the 20s of national champions. So it's a little bit of a different, um, little bit of a different deal. Uh, so I'm going to try to pull up there, there is a, there is a, uh, site that, so Notre Dame has 11 claimed championships and then 11 unclaimed national championships. And then there's some others that, you know, are a little bit, uh, you could, you could look at as well. So yeah, that's a very interesting one. Good, good questions. Good questions. Let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this is a good one from clutch. So clutch asks, Listen to Mike Ola Jr. say it takes time to get Harry Heastan's technique down and it takes time. Uh, how long do you think it will it, until it comes together for this offensive line? Well, you know, to me, there's it should happen somewhat quickly in the ways of what we saw a struggle on Saturday. Like, it, to me, it shouldn't take you time to move your feet through contact. I mean, that should be something that you just naturally do. So I would hope by the end of September at the latest. We talked about this a little bit over the summer you know, about whether or not, you know, how quickly would it take? Could they be that team by week one? Would they need to week four? Will it be to the end of the year? We don't know the answer to that, really, to be honest with you. And so, um, you know, I just, I need to see how quickly, I don't know how quickly it's going to last. I, I think it should happen somewhat quickly. I mean, you know, if you look at, if you look at Mike Golick, right, the team that he was a part of, you know, he was a part of Harry Heastan's first Notre Dame team uh, back in 2012. And, you know, they, they struggled, uh, running the ball in week two and you know week three and week four, but they went for 293 in the opener against Navy. And then they busted out in game five for 376 against Miami, which would be the BYU game this year. And after that, I mean, they, they ran 150 on Stanford, which if you remember at the time, going for 150 on Stanford was really good. 270, 215 at Oklahoma, 231 against Pitt, 184 against BC, Wake Forest, 221, South USC, 222. So by game five, they were rolling. I hope it's that soon here because game five is BYU and they're going to need that before it really, really starts to click. So I, I, 
And I would argue they played better teams early in 2012 than they're going to play in the first four games after Ohio State than they're going to play this year. So you didn't have – I mean, their first four games in 2012 was Navy, Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan. It were their first four teams. It's a little different than, you know, obviously after the opener, but it's, you know, Marshall, Cal, and North Carolina. So it's just a little – it's a little bit different. A little bit different. All right. Uh, Beef Eater says, Brian, would you ever do a show with Brian Polian? No. I would not. Michael asked Brian and Vince. First off, thank you both and the rest of the crew for providing Notre Dame Nation with the best in the business. Thank you. Do you still feel good about Peyton Bowen ultimately staying with Notre Dame? Yeah, I, I've, I have not gotten anything that would make me think otherwise from anybody. Um, so, Mike, I mean, I just I, communication is still good. Um, when you look at kind of with the other commits, I mean, he still talks to them. They still play video games together. They're still in the group chat together. There's just there's just um, there's just nothing that makes me concerned. I mean, so um, I just you know I I don't know what else to say. I, I just I have nothing to be concerned about right now. Anything could happen, and so um, yeah, anything can happen. But as of right now, I have no reason to be concerned about where things stand with with him. Uh, here's the next question: We are not Marshall. Brian, for the first game, what are realistic realistic expectations of the offense? This offense, I don't think the expectations change, man. Uh, I, I I've seen a lot of your responses this week, and, and I get it. You're really kind of jumping off a cliff a little bit about this, which I understand why you're that way because you were pessimistic about it coming into the year. Which, again, I'm not. This isn't a criticism of you. This is the reality. People can look at a team and have different opinions, especially a team that hasn't won a championship in that long. So I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong or or incorrect or coming at it from a bad place. I'm just saying you weren't real high on this team. You're not high on Tyler Buckner. You're not high on Tommy Reese and other parts of this offense. And so when the offense struggles after a game, you're going to look at it as, ah, confirmation, right? Well, it's still one game. And give it a month, five, five six games, to see how it is after the BYU game. If they're still struggling, then, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, but one game doesn't define this team. I mean, who else got the chance to start against a, a team like Ohio State? Not many teams. There's a lot of people saying, yeah, you know, this Ohio State team is going to be one of the greatest offenses ever. And they struggled against Notre Dame too. And the expectations for them were way higher than they are for Notre Dame. So it is just one game. Most teams are playing patsies while Notre Dame is playing the number three team in the country, in my opinion. So I just, I'm not overreacting to it. I'm, it's, and you can say you're tired of wait and see. But wait and see isn't one freaking game. I mean, give them more than one game. If this continues over the next month, two months, sure. There's a reason to be concerned. But one game doesn't define your team. I, I just, I just earlier in the show listed to you national championship teams that got smacked in the regular season. Alabama won in 2017. They lost by double digits to Auburn in the last game of the year. Ohio State lost at home by two touchdowns to a Virginia Tech team that finished seven and six the last time they won a national championship. I'm not saying that it's okay what happened Saturday. I'm not. What I'm saying is none of us should be making sweeping conclusions. And I did say this in the summer, and I said even if they win, it's just still one game. We need to see what they do next. And that's true for all of us. I mean, again, it's not okay. I'm not happy about it. I don't – I'm not moral victory nonsense. I'm not doing any of that. All I'm simply saying is one game doesn't define who this team is going to be. That's why we need to see what they do this week and next week and next week. And so, and let's see if they improve and if they grow. And if they don't, then there's a problem and it needs to get fixed. And we got to address, is the is it a player problem? Is it a coaching problem? Is it a preparation problem? Is it all of the above? And then take steps to fix it. And that's going to be, that's going to be the key for me. And then lastly, from We Are Not Marshall, Brian, who's the greatest punt returner in Notre Dame in the last 25 years? Are they looking for work? This group could use it. Again, dude, one game. One game. All right? It's one game. So um, that's the that's really where it needs to be. It's so uh, and it says, we are, I love the energy, BD. I have faith in your analysis. Much love, IB Nation. I need to tone it down, my brother. Look, man, I get it. It's you know, I think you just put in your chat your age. We're almost the same age. You're just a year older than me. We've been through a lot as Notre Dame fans for the last 30 years. I get the frustration. I'm not even saying, like, I'm happy about it. I'm just trying to – what I always try to do is give perspective. And when there's something to be ticked about, in my opinion, you know I'm going to say it. All I'm trying to say is 
you can't lump 30 years of frustration into every game that Notre Dame plays. You just can't. You can't ask Marcus Freeman and this team to overcome 30 years of frustration in one game. You can't do it. Like, let's see how this team develops. And if it doesn't get better, then we can have those conversations. But I'm just trying to say, is like, look, Saturday sucked. And as I told Vince, I'm probably more annoyed now than I was on Saturday because as I watched the game and I broke it down, it's like, good Lord, there were so many missed opportunities where you could have won that game. And then I'm also then encouraged because I'm like, man, they didn't really play that well and still could have won that game. So I think this team is 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 got a chance. Let's just see them develop. I mean, dude, you didn't even think they were going to beat Ohio State coming into the game, right? So you should be surprised when they actually lose to Ohio State. Let's see how the game, the season progresses. I get your frustration, my man. I do. All I would say is take each game for what it is and not turning into some giant litmus test of 30 years of frustration. That's all I'm saying. And let's see how this team progresses. If they don't, then we'll have something to we'll have something to 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 uh, talk about. And then the last one from Ladarius Brian: If Notre Dame, if NBC gave uh, gave you a chance to call Notre Dame games, would you take that job? No, I would not. And the reason why is I think that you should stay in your lane. And I think calling a game is challenging. It takes skill to do what Mike Tarico does. I could probably do color to a degree, but I would want to prep. But I. Like my whole thing is those are not just things you just throw any idiot out there to do. I think they're things that take talent, take work, take preparation and, and all those type of things. And so that's why I have great respect for the people that do it well. That's why I have great respect for the job Mike Tarico did. It's not easy. And, uh, you know, and, and I know Sean Styers does games and he's actually asked me to do high school games with him before. And I say, no, I don't know if I would be good at that, you know, because it's a different form. I mean, I, I give these long winded answers. Well, you can't do that when you're doing a game because there's a play snapping and I can't still be talking about the play from three plays ago. So I don't think that'd be my thing, to be honest with you. And, and I have a great deal of respect. I have too much respect for how hard it is to do certain jobs to just be one of those people that's like, I can do any job that you can do because I know football. I don't think that's fair. I, I think Mike Tarico would, I could not do what he does in time five, 10 years ago, if I started doing it and worked my way up, I'm, I have confidence I could do a lot of things if I spent time on it, but it would take a long, long time to get there. And, you know, those guys earned that place. And I just, you know, and that was kind of my frustration with Jack Collinsworth. It's like, did he really earn play-by-play honors for Notre Dame? I don't really think so, but that is what it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, like the job Paul Burmeister does, that takes talent. It does. It takes, it, there's preparation, there's technique, there's knowing how this goes, how that goes, uh, you know, doing the breaks, all the kind of stuff that I just, I wouldn't be good at. And so, um, uh, you know, yeah, I would, I would probably pass on that because I don't think I do a good enough job. And I think Notre Dame fans deserve excellence. They deserve the best. And I'm going to give the best that of what I think I'm good at. And that's this. That's analyzing the football team, writing articles, doing videos, breaking the team down. I think I'm really good at that. And I think my staff is really good at that. And that's our lane. And we're going to analyze the football team and the role that we have. Uh, but uh, I think Notre Dame deserves the best in every capacity of the of what the best are in that field. And I'm not someone who's so naive to think that I'm the best at everything. Now, are there people at ESPN that I think I could replace them and do their job better? Yes, thousand percent. But it's within what I do here. It's similar to what I do here. Play-by-play uh, -play play is not what I do. And I think it's a very challenging job. And it's why I really appreciate and respect the people that are good at it. Because I know it's not easy. And it's not something that I would just be able to pick up and go do it tomorrow and be good at. I think that that's a level of arrogance that I don't possess. Uh, at least in this area. <laughs> so um, anyway, I do appreciate the question and it's humbling and appreciative that, you know, you'd even think that that would even be something across your mind. So anyway, that is going to do it for today's show, everybody. I appreciate all of you very, very much. Uh, fun doing shows with you today. We'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock Eastern. Well, and if you're listening via podcast, it'll be today at one o'clock Eastern. Cause we're going to put this up uh, tomorrow morning uh, on our podcast app. But as we always say, Folks, give us the hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, check out CFB Nation. You can find that on YouTube and the podcast. Would really appreciate if you guys start listening to that as well. People are always saying, I, I want more content. I want more content. Well, hey, there's more content. It's not all Notre Dame related, which I think we should all expand our horizons of, you know, not just knowing Notre Dame, but know thy enemy. Know what else is going on out there in college football. And I think it'll help you appreciate Notre Dame even more. And when you know more, uh, more of what's going on. So definitely check that out as well. 
sign up to the boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. And we'll be back tomorrow with a keys to victory for Notre Dame. Uh, and we will probably not have an IB Nation sports talk show tomorrow night. We'll see. There's some things I may have, try to work on, but I don't think we're going to do that tomorrow night. But that's why you need to hit the notification bell, because if we do one, you'll know about it. And then, of course, Friday, it'll be prediction time. So have a great rest of your day, everybody. We appreciate you all. Talk to you very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>